Well, good morning, Iron Man. How you guys doing? Good. Mike, thanks so much, man. I love you a lot. I really do. Hey, it's an honor for me to be here. Uh, it really is, uh, especially because I'm in a room with a bunch of legends. So I kind of feel like I should be sitting in here listening to you guys. So thank you guys so much for the opportunity to be able to speak. Honestly, it's thrilling for me to, uh, to have the opportunity to preach. Um, I love being able to do it. Uh, I'm still learning and still growing. Uh, but what's even more exciting is when I had the opportunity to do that outside of the four walls of the church. So for me, this really gets me going. Uh, I'm really excited to do this. So this is good for me. It might not be good for you, but it's definitely a, <laughs> it's, de- it's definitely good. It's definitely good for me. It might be more of a learning experience for me, but, um, uh, but, I'm, but I'm grateful to be here. Hey, before we jump into the message, can I pray one more time? Sure. Yeah, Father, thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you for the ability to do what it is that we do here at Ironman to get together um, and just listen to you speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So today I, was, um, today I was asked to preach on or to speak on life's defining moments. And have you recognized that you usually don't know when you're actually in a life-defining moment? Sometimes it's like, I, I actually don't know that I'm, that I'm in that moment. Sometimes we get the moment completely wrong. Like for me, I graduated Bible college uh, when I was 22 years old. And when I graduated Bible college, I thought, my gosh, this is my defining moment. I was expecting that every church in the state of Florida was going to be knocking on my door simply because I graduated Bible college. But how many of you guys know that was not the story, you know? It at least took eight years for me to get that defining moment when I worked in ministry for the first time. What I began to realize is that defining moments typically aren't these big, crazy things that happen, but they're really just one decision at a time, or one day at a time, or one mundane moment at a time. It's actually in hindsight when you take an opportunity to look back on your life where you begin to realize, well, those were actually defining moments. The moment that I decided to follow Jesus, defining moment. The moment that I decided to get married, my wife, way out of my league, defining moment, right? Uh, The moment that I got to see my mom and my sister give her life to Jesus, defining, defining moments. I didn't know that those moments were gonna happen. They kind of just happened, almost kind of just arrived there. In fact, the moments that I thought would be defining weren't actually defining. They weren't defining. So like, for example, I thought that when I had the opportunity to preach for the first time, that would be a defining moment. And I got to be honest, I was filled uh, with gratitude for the moment, but the moment passed. So here's an example of what a defining moment was for me. It was actually recently. Uh, This year, my wife and I bought our very first home. We thought we would never have the opportunity to do it. Thank God for Groveland, which is way cheaper than Miami. You know, it's like, it's, yeah, we went went from the city to uh, our neighbors are cows. Like, it's completely different. We're seeing bobcats run through the street. We didn't see any of that stuff in Miami. It's, It's wild, you know? So we had the opportunity to buy our first home. Nobody told me that when you buy your first home, you become obsessed with your lawn. I I didn't know. I didn't know. I am obsessed with my grass. It's crazy. My wife is like, she's like, you're sick. There's something wrong with you. Like every week I'm out there, I'm cutting the grass and I'm doing the edging and I'm having the time of my life. Like I'm just, I'm I'm loving it. Like I'm loving, I'm like, man, God, can I do this forever? This is actually pretty, it's pretty amazing. I don't know. I have a good time doing it. You know, the other day, 
when I was finishing that, I noticed that my neighbor, she's in her 80s, uh, and she's really, really sick. Her lawn was extremely high. It was over to her knees. And as soon as I finished cutting my grass, I just went into her house and I just mowed her lawn really quick. The next day, she knocked on my door. She was in tears. And she said, not going to cry, it's dusty. She said, uh, she said, thank you. You know, come over. I want to make you dinner. That was a defining moment. It was. It, it was. it was the natural. It was the normal. It was the mundane. And I believe that many times we pass over defining moments simply because we're looking for extraordinary moments. But we have a God who takes the ordinary and turns it extraordinary. It's not until you're faithful with the natural that God begins to do the supernatural. I mean, this is just the reality of scripture. You look at the life of Moses. He was shepherding sheep for 40 years when God called him to do something crazy. David barely hit puberty, two armpit hairs in a slingshot, delivering cheese sandwiches to his brothers when God called him to slay Goliath. Gideon, he was threshing wheat before, like he was just like doing his job and God called him. Elijah was in the field with ox plowing when God called him. Nehemiah was working his government job faithful every single day when God called him to rebuild the walls of his city. Fast forward hundreds of years later and the disciples were simply fishing when Jesus called them to follow him. A defining moment. Do you see the pattern? It seems like God is really into those who are just faithful to the moment that's right in front of them. Because when we're faithful to the ordinary, God will do the extraordinary. And I also believe that many of us probably have passed over defining moments because we think, I'll just put this specific decision off to the next day. I'll, bro, I'll work out next Monday. Like, I'll start eating healthy next. I can't work out today. It's Wednesday. I got to wait till Monday. You know, it's like, now it's just like the end of the year. I can't start working out now. I got I to wait till January, you know? Like, we always push off important decisions. Like for me, it's my relationship with God, right? Something that's supposed to be consistent and daily. It's just something that I push off. We know we're supposed to take these spiritual steps, these next steps. And for me, sometimes I put it off. I know that I should pray a lot more. Sometimes I push it off. I know I should read my Bible more. Sometimes I push it off. I know that sometimes I should probably fast a little bit. Sometimes I push it off and we miss out on all God wants to do because we push away simple decisions that we're just called to make right now. Right now. The most important moment in your life is right now. Because right now is all that exists. That must be why God called himself the great I am. Because he's present. He's everything you need him to be in the moment that you need him the most. Right now. And can I be honest? Sometimes the reason I struggle to be faithful in the moment is simply because I lack faith. It's because I lack faith. If I'm like honest, I'm so freaked out about my past and I'm so concerned about my future that I almost always miss out on what God is doing at this moment. Moment. That's anxiety, by the way. 
when you're so consumed with every other moment, aside from the moment that you're in right now, you're filled with anxiety. And here's what I'm understanding. We have to surrender the past that we can't change. And we have to trust God with the future that we can't control. I'll say it again. We have to surrender the past that we can't change. And we have to trust God with the future that we can't control. Why? Because I understand that God has saved and redeemed my past and he has saved and redeemed my future. I can now have peace for the present and live fully in the moment. But if there's one other major practical reason as to why I believe we're so distracted is as to why I feel like we miss out on the moment is simply because of distraction. Listen to this, Harvard did a study that shows 47% of the time, people's minds are not where their feet are. So 47% of the time that you're having a conversation with someone, your mind is actually somewhere else. 47% of the time that you're at church or at dinner with your family or engaged with someone at work, your mind is somewhere else. This is crazy because almost half your life, your mind is somewhere else and not where your body actually is. And the biggest contributor to this level of distraction is this little computer right here in our pockets called our phones. It's absolutely crazy as to how this has become our idol for everyone. It's not just an age thing. Everyone right now is hooked on this thing. In fact, research would show that the average user touches their phone 2,617 times a day. A day. Crazy. Get this. The top 10% touch their phone 5,400 times a day. That's gross. All the germs on this thing. And it's no wonder we don't create defining moments. It's because we're always distracted. Like, have you ever looked at people who have done great things and been like, how did they get there? I've realized that all the people who have what I want is simply because they were faithful to the moment. Those were just one moment that was built upon other moments. And here's the one thing I really want us to get today. We can never control when the defining moment is gonna come, but we can only make the most of this moment. We can never control when that moment's gonna come, but we can only make the most of the moment that's at hand. We can't control when the great moment's gonna show up, but all we can do is make the most of it. And wisdom is the thing that makes the most of every moment because every moment could be a defining moment. So one of the most amazing qualities that I find about Jesus is that Jesus was an expert at creating defining moments. I mean, he was fully present, he was undivided, his attention was always right where it needed to be. And today I wanna to show you a couple different stories to illustrate this truth. The first story I wanna share with you is the story of Matthew. Now many of you guys know the story of Matthew. Uh, many of us here have been in church for a long time. We know that Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples. He was part of one of the greatest movements of all time. We know that Matthew was so cool. I mean, he wrote a gospel. He wrote a book in the Bible. Like, for me, this is making it. Matthew was a really, really big deal. And this is how the story starts off. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 says this. As Jesus went on from here, 
he saw, a, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now let's stop here. Because Matthew didn't just like randomly show up there. Matthew was just being faithful to the everyday. Matthew was waking up at six o'clock in the morning, taking a shower, drinking his coffee, putting on his clothes, brushing his teeth, saying bye to his wife. I don't like, he was just living a very normal everyday life, going to work, clocking in and clocking out. And in that moment, Jesus met him. Many of you guys know Matthew was a tax collector. No one liked him. Tax collectors in this time, as I'm sure you know, they were like known as scum. Nobody wanted to be associated with them. Why? Well, because they would overtax their very own people and they would skim some from the top and they would put it in their pocket. They would walk away and they would just get rich off of it. It was in this moment where Jesus approached him and said, follow me and be my disciple. Now this moment for Matthew was a defining moment. So much so that Matthew actually gets up and follows him. Like if some guy were to just to walk up to you and be like, hey man, I think you should follow me. What are you going to do? Are you just going to get up and be like, you know what? I like you. Let's go. Like Matthew probably really even didn't know Jesus that much. He just heard stories of the things that Jesus has done. But there was something about Jesus that was so compelling that Matthew thought to himself, well, I, I, I can't stay where I'm at right now. So he makes a decision and he gets up. Well, I think the reason he followed Jesus is because anything was better than being a tax collector at that time. <laughs> Literally anything. One day, Matthew was so excited that he got, ex- that he got invited to be about a part of Jesus' entourage that Matthew thinks to himself, hey, you know what? I'm going to throw this crazy like party at my house. Matthew's throwing a party for Jesus. I mean, they got the pita chips. They got the hummus. They got the wine. I mean, everything is absolutely amazing. The table is set for, for Jesus, the party is going great. And there are some Pharisees who are looking on, and this is what they say. He goes, why does Jesus eat with such scum? The party stops. Matthew's emotions begin to sink as now he's like, people are confronting Jesus because he's having a relationship with Matthew. And it's in this moment where it could possibly be a defining moment as he looks at the response of what Jesus actually says. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 9. Verse 12 through 13. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have come not for the righteous, but for the sinners. And this was a defining moment for Matthew. As he realized that Jesus Jesus didn't come to call those who who have it all together. Jesus came to call those who were broken, like me and like you. It was a defining moment for Matthew because Jesus didn't come for self-proclaimed saints. He came for self-aware sinners. And like Matthew, we all had that one moment in our life. For me, it was 16 years old. When the only, and the only reason I went to church is because there was a girl that I wanted to date. <laughs> and she was like, you come to church or you can't date me. I was like, I guess I'm going to church then. I go to church at 16 years old with no expectation of what's going to happen, and my life is radically transformed. Radically transformed. So much so that my my mom comes to pick me up, and she sees her son all across the auditorium on his knees crying. Like, for her, this was bizarre what was actually happening. 
I had no idea that was going to happen. I was just trying to get a date. But God made it a defining moment. And here's how these defining moments happen. I want to show you two back-to-back stories. The first one is found in Luke's gospel, and Jesus was walking into the city of Jericho. Now, as I say the city of Jericho, I'm sure you guys remember the walls of Jericho that were that fell down. By this time, the city was completely rebuilt. I mean, this was such a popular time in this city. Thousands of people were there surrounding Jesus, wanting to get with Jesus. And as Jesus is walking through the crowd, all of a sudden he hears a blind beggar call out to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples were so offended because they were like, bro, Jesus does not have time for you. Jesus has places to go. He's got people to see. He's got ministry to do. Jesus was way too important to be disrupted by you. The Bible says that the disciples actually rebuked the blind beggar. And when Jesus saw this, Jesus actually rebuked his disciples and he started to fully engage in a one-on-one conversation with his attention undivided with this blind beggar and then finally he asked this blind beggar what is it that you would like for me to do and the blind beggar responds could you heal me and Jesus spoke a word of faith and he healed a man here's what gets me about Jesus every single time that Jesus stopped for a guy that no one else was willing to stop for. And he fully engaged with the human being that was right in front of him. And right very next scene, you turn the page over and Jesus does the same thing again. In Luke chapter 19, it says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector, was very wealthy. Now, if you notice, Jesus had already been interrupted one time by a poor, by a poor blind beggar. And now he's being interrupted again by a rich, corrupt man. Jesus stops for everyone. And he stops for this man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was also a tax collector like Matthew. He was overcharging people and stealing their money. Zacchaeus looked like Danny DeVito. He was the gangster of that time. Jesus calls him, Jesus calls him, and he says, Zacchaeus, he calls him down from a tree, and Jesus self-invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus is not like, hey, I want you to come over. Like, he wasn't even like Matthew. He was like, I'm going to your house. Let's go. Like, that's where we're going. And he's having this dialogue. I mean, I could imagine Jesus undivided, iPhone flipped over, possibly not even on the table, fully immersed in his conversation with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus' mind is blown as the savior of the universe is having a conversation with him across the table. And he cannot wrap his mind around, how is it that this man wants to sit with me, give me his undivided attention? I know this is what's happening through Zacchaeus' mind because Zacchaeus has a moment where he's like, all right, I repent. Like my whole life, I've messed up absolutely everything. I've stolen money. In fact, Jesus, I want to give everything back four times over. I'll do anything to make this right. And Jesus looks at him and he says, today, in this moment, salvation has come to your home. Because today is the day of salvation. Jesus had undivided attention in this moment. And he stops and gives one of the greatest things he can ever give, his time and his love. I want to be like that. But unfortunately, I'm not always like that. I've been praying, God, give me the ability 
to fully engage in the moment where I am right now. Not overly consumed by my past and not overly consumed about my future, but that you would give me the wisdom to steward this moment because this moment could be a defining moment. And I want to live that way, not just in happy moments. I want to live that way and be present in all my moments, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Why? Because that's what our Savior did. That's what he did. When you think about Jesus, if there was ever a time where he should have been not focused, completely derailed, completely distracted from others, if there was ever a time where Jesus should have been 100% consumed with himself, it should have been when he was on the cross. He was sinless, and they beat him so badly he didn't even look human. He was whipped and flogged. His back was ripped open. He was put on a cross with nails on his hands and nails in his feet. He couldn't even take a breath, and right next to him was a criminal who looked over and started to have a conversation with Jesus as Jesus was dying. I would have been like, bro, right now is not the time to talk. But I, I want you to picture this. As he's hung up on the cross, people would say that he couldn't even breathe, gasping for breath. And this criminal is having a conversation with Jesus, and Jesus is so fully engaged in the moment that he's willing to struggle and gasp for breaths of air simply so he can engage in a conversation with another man. It's crazy how good our Savior is. And they're engaging in this conversation, and I'm pretty sure it's gone something like this. Jesus, I've done a lot of bad things, but remember me when you come into your kingdom. And even in the midst of his suffering, Jesus was fully engaged with the criminal on the cross. And this is what he said. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus was fully engaged and it became a defining moment. So as I close, how do we live in a defining moment? We stay faithful to the ordinary and God will do the extraordinary. We stay faithful every single day with the thing that God has placed in our hands. And God has the ability to multiply what just seems natural. If we stay faithful to the natural, God will do the supernatural. We surrender the past we can't change and we trust God with the future that we can't control. The past happened, the future doesn't even exist. But what I do know is that the present right now is what matters. Why? Because we understand we can't control when the defining moment will come. We can only make the most of this moment. And wisdom makes the most of every moment because every moment could be a defining moment. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace, your love, and your mercy. I thank you so much for the men in this room. As soon as I walked in, I felt, I felt loved and I felt welcomed. And it's no wonder that your presence and your spirit is here. So Father, I thank you for the moments that we share together. I thank you because as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpens another man. I'm believing that because of this ministry, pastors are better, business leaders are better, husbands are better, and our families are better. So we ask that today you would give us the grace that we need to do the work that you have placed in front of us. That you would remind us to be faithful to this moment and to steward it with wisdom because this moment could be a defining moment. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Thank you guys so much.